to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke. And I'm Annie Warmke. We are. And today we're talking about revitalizing commercial properties or what color is this elephant? Now, I, I wondered about that because I was thinking like white, white elephant or money pits or whatever. Anyway, it was a bad one. Anyway, we're joined by Luke, <laughs> a lot of those lately. Luke Selfridge. <laughs> and Luke, um, Luke is the um, executive director of Sustainable Ohio Public Energy Council. And, 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 but here's the reason we want to talk to him today. We know he's super important. He's got a big title, Yeah. but we also know that he is rehabbing some historic buildings in downtown rural America. And that's the reason we really want to talk to him, reimagining right. downtown life. Yeah. And, and I know Luke, I gave you your, your job title. So you may want to be very careful about some of the comments you make about the city of Marietta and the revitalization of your project. Uh, so welcome, Luke, and you tell us um, more about yourself. Sure, uh, thank you for the warm introduction, and uh, I may be a sucker for venturing into this space, but to all of us need extra things to do. <laughs> hey, hey, you proved that when you bought the commercial property. So That is uh, definitely something you question on a regular basis, but uh, it's a fun challenge, uh, most days. <laughs> so so, so um, what is what is SOPEC, uh, first off? We'll let you yeah. give a little plug for that organization. Happy to. So SOPEC is a council of governments. We largely function as a regional energy office for 22 uh, public entities um, across the state of Ohio, uh, focused on sustainability. So we have uh, 19 of the 20 uh, EPA Clean Power Partnership communities are within our footprint. Um, so every day is a little different, but we're helping communities do things like install solar on their roofs, helping them uh, establish an EV charger infrastructure, helping them convert lights to LEDs and making those upgrades or smart building design. Um, our better is what's called community choice aggregation, which is the ability of um, communities to shop and groups of communities to shop, in our case, for power for the baseload generation that they're procuring. And we've decided to make our program a green power um, program as, as core as part of that component. So um, having a lot of fun, but uh, really doing some exciting work. And thankfully, we've been really successful uh, this current year. We're saving our residents about $13 million across the communities we serve. So not only are we uh, leading on green energy, but we're also saving residents money um, against what the standard service also would be in the utilities. So um, a lot of great work and a lot of great partners, uh, both within our staff team, but also our community leaders. We're governed by the communities we serve. Um, that's part of the excitement for me. We have a lot of phenomenal um, leaders, whether it's county commissioners or mayors, um, or executive directors of other government entities. Um, they're there with us and bring a lot of expertise with them. So um, it's a pretty exciting space and uh, definitely a collaborative environment, which is half the fun. Well, one of the things I'm interested in is what has brought you to this point. So you're an executive director of a, a cool project and you have a family and you're young. In, in my years, you're young and you are in a small town. So what's brought you to be here with those things in your toolkit? The short answer would be insanity, but I'll uh, I'll duck duck that from answer. From birth? Wait, from birth? <laughs> Wait a minute. He woke up. He woke up in fifth grade. He wrote a paper. I want to save communities money on their electric bill <laughs> when I get older. All right, that's not true. So let's skip to the skip to the answer here. Yeah, so sustainability has always been a focus for, of mine, but um, I live in Appalachia. I'm native to Appalachia, and we've seen a lot of up and downs of our economy. 
Um, we have, my wife and I both have a strong interest in seeing the vibrancy of our downtowns, which are unique and an important critical asset moving forward. So um, we've been considering buying property if uh, the right one came available for as long as I can remember. Um, and we were actually helping flood relief and uh, one of the locals identified he's getting ready to put a property in the market. And um, we were the first suckers in line, I guess, to uh, make an offer and to purchase it. So um, it's really a chance for us to, um, to have input in the future of the city, for us to do things like sustainability as we make the upgrades, for us to do historic preservation on the building. Um, our particular properties um, were built around 1859. So these are not new properties, um, even by Southeast Ohio standards. Um, but we really see as an exciting opportunity for us to be fully committed and invested in the community ourselves and um, part of that long-term um, economic transition that's occurring. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about that is because, well, both Annie and I, we really love downtown Marietta, Marietta, Ohio, where you're at one of the oldest, the oldest community in the Northwest Territory, right? Right. Yeah, so the capital of the Northwest Territory. There you go. And um, so, so you are a person who is doing this kind of renovation of a property, yet not from my perspective anyway, solely motivated by, I'm going to make a lot of money on this. So it kind of dovetails really nicely in with us where we're saying, this is a beautiful community, a very walkable and, and vibrant downtown area. And here's a guy who's taking an old building that needs, definitely needs some TLC and trying to bring that back up to some sort of, um, you know, uh, what um, level of, of usefulness again. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I think that's just nice. So we want to see, okay, well, what motivated you to do that? And, and what kind of barriers have you seen as you're trying to do it? And what kind of, you know, lovely things have happened as, as you've done this? We've had the opportunity to sell the property several times. In fact, right after we bought it, uh, a lot of folks, once they got a chance to look at it and really gave it a harder look, ours has an elevator, which is pretty unique. Um, but a lot of folks had a lot of interest in it, but for us being able to make sure that the building itself gets the proper restoration, ours is one of the few buildings downtown that still has wood floors. Um, it still has, I wouldn't call them the original. I don't know when they were replaced, but I presume at some point they probably were possibly not. Um, in fact, one of my favorite features of the building, it has an old steam powered, um, engine in the basement that used to power the old elevator. I call the new elevator the one that was built somewhere around 1910 but the city got power in 1899. So we have a uh, steam engine that used to power the old elevator that predates that. And the elevator itself had an old ratcheting system as it would go up, would ratchet up the wooden ratchet. Um, so I think it really has to be a passion. Um, I think looking at long-term investment, not just trying to flip properties, but really wanting to build something and create something. And, um, and Marriott is an exciting place. Um, it does have a really complicated long history it's a super um, important um, uh, part of Ohio's history, the U.S. history for that matter. The folks who settled the area um, insisted on slavery not being part of the Northwest Territory. Um, they made some mistakes along the way. They did some really great things along the way. Some of the early founders protected the mounds. We didn't do such a great job protecting them in the 100 years that uh, went beyond that. Some of them were preserved, some of them were not. But um, they recognized some things that were there, and there were definitely some missteps. But um, as a structure, and I think a lot of our communities here in Southeast Ohio um, being a river town is both a blessing and a curse. Um, well, you have let, to respect me, let me back, let me back yeah, you up please. there just a second. You mentioned the mounds, but yep. most people listening may not really understand. Yeah. There are a lot of um, uh, we had more, Indian mounds more, within. Yeah. 
at one time I had more than any uh, other place in the world. And I believe um, roughly a third of them still exist, but some of them are pretty significant formations, including Bound Cemetery, which also has the designation um, of the uh, cemetery with the most uh, Revolutionary War soldiers buried in it. Because um, a lot of these folks came as Revolutionary War grants. We're in Washington County. That's not a coincidence. Um, we also have um, what used to be called Sacravia. That's one of them we did lose. Um, it was, was a giant uh, wall that went down to the riverfront, the Muskingum River. Um, and we probably have four or five other really significant mounds um, around town. But the old maps show us um, that there was a lot more there and a lot more part of this regional culture that you know, goes back tens of thousands of years. Um, so that's something that... Um, it's all around us and um, informs, you know, that we're definitely not the first folks here, even close to the first folks uh, to settle these lands or to be caretakers of them. Well, one of the things I, I would like to know more about is what, okay, so your motivation is you have a passion about an old building, but in our minds, the reason we wanted to invest in Marietta by buying a property is because we just really see it as a vibrant area and, and an area that's going from being a, an older population to younger population. Um, and people are actively walking, riding bikes. It's just remarkable, like being in, a, in New York City, and yet you're in a town of, what, nine, ten thousand people. Um, anyway, so I'm just wondering, why would you choose Marietta? And what kind of, um, what kind of payback uh, do you expect from the building and what do you want that building to do? Yeah, the, the sound, it's very walkable by design. L'Enfant designed it, a uh, famous architect, and um, it was at one time even considered to be the U.S. capital. So the city had great ambitions. Um, Cincinnati eventually eclipsed it as the river town uh, south of Pittsburgh. But at one time we were the edge of the West um, and have that uh, pride accordingly. Um, for us, we both, my wife and I are both suckers for history, so we love um, that dynamic. And you're absolutely right, it is a very walkable city. It's a city where the arts community is very much alive. We have a very vibrant um, local theater that's been recently restored, community theater, um, a pretty um, uh, resilient food culture. Um, we even have, uh, I believe, the last or the oldest remaining uh, train bridge that actually turns, that's from the Civil War era, and it spins, um, pivots actually on a pier. So there's just a lot of unique features. In fact, right upstream from that, uh, the gentleman who designed the Panama Canal did his first, or one of the earlier ones um, right next to that is the uh, first navigable river um, as they channelized the Muskingum. Um, we had that connection. So there's every stone you turn, there's a connection that goes back and another layer to the onion. Um, as far as our investment from a business standpoint, um, we have property on Front Street. So it is the main drag. We're roughly 600 feet from the Muskingum River, roughly 600 feet from the Ohio River. Um, we were very attracted to that um, and prioritized getting the storefront up and running again. We've now successfully had um, other folks rent stores from us. So we're um, managing the property and re uh, rehabilitating more parts of the building uh, while they run very successful businesses in the front um, with a large glass showroom. Our building uh, for its longest period was a Victorian furniture store um, and has even a connection to um, uh, the Bosworth family who went on to uh, do the work in the restoration of the, um, well, event, first Rockefeller uh, was attracted to their talents and, um, and was so impressed that he hired the same family to do the restoration of the Palace of Versailles. So there's actually a home in Paris called La Marietta, La Marietta still, um, as a direct result of that construction project. So, um, and every building has a story to tell. Ours was the first large commercial building downtown. 
um, and has all those uh, soft bricks and early design techniques, but it also has a giant steel beam that until fairly recently, I assumed was put in early 20th century. But um, I recently visited the uh, customs house in Wheeling and realized that they had a steel beam on that property, um, I believe in the 1850s, if I recall. Um, so that technology, at least in its early stages, goes back even further. So there's some really neat quirkiness to that. So for us, it's making um, the building as a business venture, finding it to a point where it can pay for itself um, and some of the commercial development and then being able to really take advantage of the full uh, building itself. We have 24,000 square feet in our primary property. Um, and we've uh, purchased an additional building. It's even a bigger rehabilitation project, project next door since. But um, getting it commercially viable, um, getting the systems upgraded, getting it dry inside, getting all those basic things to make sure it can survive another 100 years. Um, we just recently installed a heat pump. Um, that was out of necessity, but uh, for the air conditioning systems, but we had 200,000 BTU, uh, 1966 Lennox. Jay, you'll have to tell me the efficiency rating of that, but I'm sure it was something pitiful. Um, but we replaced that now with a heat pump um, installed by a local company here. And that was prior to the tax incentives that are coming into place now, but our tenant is absolutely thrilled. And for us, um, had a lot of confusion from the gas companies. We called them to tell them we no longer need gas service in the building. Um, but just that ongoing monthly payment uh, was about $50 a month just to have gas service. And so that's going to help the payback period for the heat pump itself um, to be a permanent replacement. And we'll probably install some others to build other comfort in other parts of the building. But um, I'm so, having a lot so of tell me, Yeah. Tell me uh, what things you've done that you think uh, provide resiliency for this building, which is in a tremendous flood zone. Uh, and sustainability. What are some of the things you've implemented or put into the building that are um, uh, going to ex exhibit some sustainability leanings on your part? Okay, but before you answer that, Luke, I want to let everyone know that you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. And thank God. Thank God. So uh, today we're joined by by Luke Suffrage, and he's uh, going to be telling us why his building, downtown Marietta, is going to be the master showpiece of renewable energy and sustainability. And resiliency. And resiliency, yes. right? There you go. No no small feat here. Uh-huh. So ex explain away here, Luke. You are, you are an, a renewable energy guy. What are you doing? Are you putting your money where your mouth is? So it's the basics. I mean, starting out, it's replacing our light bulbs with LEDs, as basic as that is. Um, that was our first undertaking, going through every corridor, replacing every light, upgrading those fixtures. Um, after that, some of the more complicated things, things like the HVAC system. So adding um, heat pumps, um, working on the insulation envelope, the envelope, and they had a very different concept of insulation back in the day or lack thereof. Um, yeah. But at the same time, the woodwork, um, the subfloors is tongue and groove. So you have tongue and groove subfloors. So they're very tight envelopes on um, the way the buildings were constructed. Some architects would argue those early buildings are built to breathe. So there's different needs of the buildings. We really spent the first year or two as we fixed the have to fix uh, parts of the building. And that's an ongoing process. Um, listening to the building, looking for those little gems and uh, secrets. One of the doors that I opened um, to an old um, elevator shaft on the backside had the remains of a... Um, container that they at one point had used to ship the furniture from the train station. Still had the old store stenciled on the side of it. Um, you'll lose those things if you don't take your time and really look around. So I think that story is part of the resiliency um, as heritage tourism. Um, from an energy perspective, we are looking at maximizing our rooftop. So we're looking at bifacial solar panels. We presently have um, somewhere between a uh, flat and sloped roof. 
but we've got about 1,600 square foot of roof space. So looking at how we uh, make the best use for which parts are going to be exterior porches, which parts we're going to use to uh, view the fireworks on the Sternville Festival. Um, every September in Marietta, we'll plug in for that too. Um, mm -hmm. We have a good view of the bridge. But um, other parts might be best used for solar and using um, ballast systems so we don't interfere with the roofing systems. But um, And thankfully, the tax code is such that it's actually advantageous for building owners um, to consider that, especially at the IRA, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Um, of putting a bifacial solar panel against a roof that's reflective material combined with electrical upgrades, things that we'd probably have to do some degree of um, in short term. So adding 400 amp service. Um, things that I have to consider as we move forward though, do we want to have a centralized meter system or do we want to create, if we ever have apartments upstairs, um, do we want to, you know, how do we deal with that as a tenant? Do we trust the tenants to be responsible? Do we um, put it all as part of one centralized solar system? Um, so those are things we're considering. One of the challenges I've had lately is um, some of the trades, some of the old trades, it's getting really hard to find folks to do things like window glazing. Um, so there's definitely a career opportunity. I think in every one of our downtowns, um, folks at Heritage Ohio would strongly encourage folks to rebuild those old windows, um, have a lot of really great old hardwoods if they're capable of doing that instead of doing the vinyl uh, transition. So there's a lot of opportunities for some of the really basic things there um, as it relates to local materials and recycling and reusing those materials. So I think that's been an important pro process for us, if not just tearing everything out and starting from scratch and really looking and taking stock of what's possible and um, what the best case scenario is for us to be able to preserve history, but also uh, revitalize the spaces and maximize them um, in a space that's increasingly uh, desired and uh, for utilization purposes. But one of the okay, challenges... Well, yeah, go ahead. Oops. Let me, let me jump in here because I guess I wanted to, I didn't want to miss the opportunity. I know that there's a a reimagine or a revitalize Marietta process Re going -imagine. on. Reimagine, yeah. is it? Um, mm -hmm. and, it's different than revitalize. Oh, we'll see. Um, anyway, how does this, your project is is very, we're looking very closely there, but then if you expand out away, how do you see that fitting into the overall program? And are you really clued in on that? Or is that happening off in the distance and you're not that aware of that project? I am. I was. Uh, we had a meeting the other night in Marietta. I was out of town with work doing uh, another council meeting. But um, there has been a constant spirit. I think it's one of the um, one of the great things about Marietta is there's a lot of passion for the community. It may not be the same passion every given moment, but <laughs> right. we have a lot of really proactive council members um, who are now being very engaged in the process of looking ahead, trying to figure out how we rebuild infrastructure. Uh, we have a mayor who's uh, made the aesthetics of the town a top priority. So looking forward to the waterfront, looking forward to revitalizing the Harmer Bridge, which is a um, beautiful historic asset, um, how we embrace the stern wheel culture, um, but whether it's the historic Lafayette Hotel, we have a new riverboat museum. Uh, we currently have one, but it's getting ready to get rebuilt and even grander than it currently is. So um, I think all those things are part of the story moving forward and building an inclusive environment uh, where the city can embrace um, a really thriving arts and music culture. Um, to where our identity in Appalachia um, can be further explored um, as a crossroads, uh, truly, um, whether it's the ferry boat or um, the railroad at one time going all the way from Marietta to Cincinnati. Um, there's a lot of those elements um, that we can reconnect to, and those buildings all have stories to tell, as do the people. Um, so Marietta does a really great job of um, appreciating um, the depth of history that's there, um, and again, you could look at any given decade. Some of it's um, uh, pleasant, some of it's not so pleasant, like any of our communities. 
but there is a wealth of history um, that has occurred in that region. So I think uh, we definitely see those efforts to engage citizens in that process as critical. Um, I applaud our council, applaud um, members of the city government um, in taking those on. Um, one of the things I was going to talk about in just a second, I think it's important too, though, is that um, it's been a challenge, and this is a challenge for every river community, um, is that there's been changes in the federal codes as it relates to FEMA. So they uh, have been efforts to largely um, make that a more privately um, uh, financed venture uh, versus then a federal program. So it presents a real challenge for uh, rebuilding our historic downtowns and riverfront properties to where um, the level of investment is pretty limited um, and cost prohibitive, frankly, for the insurance folks have to pay full flood insurance. Um, so that the end result is that a lot of the upstairs um, properties don't get redeveloped into housing. So I think that'll be the next phase as we try to unpack that and figure out how to fully um, develop our infrastructure. Well, that, ground, that brings, that brings up the item because I know there are photos of downtown Marietta around mm -hmm. and, and markers on the side of the walls of perhaps your building saying, here's where the waters got up to, um, you know, and, and pictures of people rowing boats past the second story window of, of your property there. What do you like worry about that in the age of climate change that you're going to put all this money into this property and all of this investment, and then the waters are going to rise up to the second floor? I do. And I've got the uh, old flood mud um, in the floorboards to remind me. So as we're working, um, that's still caked in the upper floors um, as it seeps through and it's still there as you uh, tear into some areas that need repair. Um, so for ours, um, some of that preparation looks like we, we refer to it as knowing your number. So all of us um, keep the app on our phone, watch when the flood levels are going up and really watch and monitor and the whole downtown community comes together um, in those times of crisis. So I think that community resiliency is important. Um, a lot of the business owners have gotten really wise as to putting their inventory on wheels, quite literally. So in the event of a flood, if you look at the uh, bottom of a lot of store shelves, they're able to move it out to a um, truck outside pretty quickly so they can take it to another location that's not as impacted. Um, and our building, as I mentioned, we have the elevators so that gives us the ability to move stuff upstairs more quickly. But I do consider myself what I keep in the building and what I don't and my ability to, you know, if I'm out of town for work, ability to prepare for something with a couple of days notice. So um, on that just immediate practical level, it's absolutely, um, our last major flood in Marietta was um, Ivan back in 2005 or so. Um, and that hit us twice within a pretty short span. And we've had a few close scares and other parts of the community have seen some flooding, but not downtown proper in a large sense uh, since then, thankfully, knock on wood. Um, so that's always in the back of our minds. Um, fire is another consideration. There is very limited sprinkler systems. So I think it's an ongoing um, concern and consideration um, as folks are redeveloping properties um, and not doing wholesale rebuilding of them. Um, we've lost a lot of properties to fire in Marietta and the ability to rebuild in those locations with all the flood restrictions is really difficult. So you'll see some gaps and historic blocks and that's largely the result of that. Um, now, as somebody who works in the space um, and climate change is an ever-present thing um, under consideration, absolutely. Um, so I do my best to try to build um, durable materials and the space is going to be impacted and um, hope that we don't have to deal with it terribly frequently. But um, I think that's something for all of us to consider as we rebuild our communities. And uh, we're not alone in being a riverfront town. Um, and a lot of we love that we don't have a flood wall. Um, other communities have chosen to do that. And for us, it gives us really access and for better or worse, we're connected to that river. And so I think that's what, part of what we love about the walkability and the uh, bike trail system that goes right against it. But that is the downside that we are more exposed as a result. So I think it's it's the community resiliency that's important and less of a formal way at present. But I think long-term, all of our communities in Southeast Ohio 
need to be preparing I, I, for more water. Yeah. I want to jump in here and ask you, so it's 10 years from now, hopefully you've got a 10 year plan. Uh, sure. We advise that to anybody who has a business. Um, so 10 years from now, and you stand up on that second floor or up on the roof, uh, what is it that you see has changed in those 10 years in terms of, as you imagine, where are we going as a community, not just a city, but a town, but also the surrounding area? Where, where will we be in 10 years? What will it look like? I think it's going to be a vibrancy. So I mentioned those upstairs. Um, we in a lot of our towns have moved out of our downtown and permanent residency in those downtown spaces. So I think higher level of occupancy and the residential components or what would have been historically commercial showrooms in my case is now you know converted to apartments. Um, I think that is going to increase the livability of the communities. We have a lot of great assets right there and what better uh, way to experience them to live in close proximity to them. I think you're going to see a shift in um, the transportation sector. So we have the old trolley tracks to remind us that it's not that far removed, that we had an electric trolley system that you could have ridden all the way to Cleveland on. Um, so I think a reimbracement, while you know we still have the carriage rides and um, you know appreciate um, the quaintness, but we're also embracing um, moving forward to some uh, technology embrace as well that doesn't have to be in uh, opposition. So I think that's exciting. I think resiliency technology. So um, having more solar. Uh, we have solar currently. Um, a local developer has um, been really great, um, several of them actually, but uh, one in particular I'll give a shout out to has been really great about putting some iconic projects. That's um, a gentleman by the name of Chick Pickering has made sure that our municipal building has solar, one of our libraries has solar, um, and that they're in high visibility places where folks know that it's real, the technology works, and it's accessible. Um, the local Unitarian, Unitarian Church has solar on its roof on a very historic building, um, and it functions in the building very well from an integrated standpoint. So I think seeing more of that um, as community resiliency, more of that um, dollar spent on energy staying in the community permanently and um, just part of a holistic economy moving forward. Um, so I'm excited for uh, what's next. Um, we're at a period of investment in our downtowns in the region, um, state and federal, and I'm excited to see what that yields. And I'm glad for a collaborative process with citizens to help shape that. I think that's an important component to that. Um, and I think it's going to be exciting to see what comes forward. Well, Luke, now now you've been sort of a, a chamber of commerce spokesperson <laughs> here during this, and, and we're we're not disagreeing. I mean, it's it for those of you who are not familiar with Marietta, it's it's a remarkably quaint, um, old world walkable town in an area that's not known for that. It's not so the that's old world. it is in the in the fact that people do actually walk, and there is a culture. There's culture here, you know. As my friends always used to say in college, if you want culture, go to Europe, right? And so. So we went to Marietta. Yeah, we went to Marietta instead. But what I'm in any big project, what are the things that you wish you had known if or, or the horror stories as you've been developing your specific site uh, that that you just want to sort of never repeat? <laughs> well, I'm going to avoid a few of them, but um, well, you've only got 30 seconds to tell us here. Oh, well, great. Well, I'd say. Um, I'd say long-term, you know, capital access is always an ongoing issue within these properties. And I think the um, these properties in large part across the region have not been to the level of standard of care that they needed. So a lot of it is um, a passion of love of doing the repairs. And I think not being overwhelmed over that overnight, I think um, getting support from officials and understanding as we're working through that process is an important element. So I think that's 
that's something that needs to occur everywhere um, as we rebuild our downtowns. But um, yeah, I'm right in the thick of it right now. So without going in the weeds too much, I'd say just uh, overall one one step at a time. All right. Well, time has saved you from all of reliving the, those horrors. <laughs> well, you've been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. We want to thank our guest today, Luke Suffrage, uh, who has been working on revitalizing his little part of downtown Marietta. And we want to thank our Emmy Award winning and always revitalized uh, producer, Adam Rich. And thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... Play nice with others. Clean up your own mess. And Jay, eat some vegetables this week. All right. Until next time. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockStation.com.